Okay, so I want to start today with a small antidote which I heard, which I thought was very, very interesting, very, very nice. And, uh, that's true. And the Lemaise goes like this. It's an interesting thing. There was a very wealthy guy who had this huge, massive house with pools and fancy theatres and achvices, whatever he had. And he was taking a tour around with a bunch of people, yeah? And there was one particular pool that was full of sharks and crocodiles and I don't know why, why exactly he had such a thing, but I guess, I don't know, part of the, you know, people have pools of different things. And he had one of these pools full of sharks and everything else. And as he's walking, these fancy group, you know, dressed in tuxedos and their fancy uh, dinner that they were having, he says, Rabbi Sai, I have an offer for the oilam. Whoever, whoever jumps into the pool and goes from one end to the other end and comes out alive, I will give him whatever he wants. I will grant any wish that he wants. Everybody looks as if like, yes, okay, keep your money, I'd rather live. And everybody continues going, and they're about to walk into the next room with the next pool, and all of a sudden they hear a splash, and this guy's mummish, Olympic swimmer. He's swimming from one end to the other, and all of the, everyone's watching, like, horror, how did he do this? I can't believe he did such a thing. Amazing. He gets all the way to the end, he jumps out of there, he made it alive. Wow. Everyone's like, this is amazing. So the rich man goes up to him and says, tell me something. What do you want? What, what, you, what can I give you? What wish can I give you? Whatever you want, I promise, I'm going to do it. He says, I want one thing. I want to know who pushed me into the pool. Now, the truth of the matter is, it's a Kavaldika story, because if you think about it, many times in life, we're pushed into situations that we didn't ask to be pushed into. But once we're in there, we fight. And we swim like anything to get to the other side. I thought it was a beautiful idea, especially as we start today, reading off some of the emails, some of the stories of that people sent in. I'm still waiting for some of the oilam. Some of the oilam did. I'm still waiting for some more of the oilam to send in some good stories. Okay? Uh, R-A-W at BaseDavid.com. Ben, I'm waiting for one this week. In Mitzvah, we're going to be reading it next week. Okay, so I want to read in Mitzvah some of the um, stories that came in. To be mechazik ourselves in Ashkocha protest, to be mechazik ourselves in Amuna. As we mentioned last week, I think we mentioned this, B'Shem Reb Moshe and Reb Yaakov Kamenetsky. Not sure if we mentioned this, Rob. Did we mention Reb Moshe and Reb Yaakov last week? Because they both said that when a person writes down clearly that happens in his life, and it can be small little things, it doesn't have to be these huge massive events, it can be small things, it could change his whole perspective of and how the Rabbani runs his life, and everything happens as we said last time before, we, we said the shame, I think it was uh, uh, some of the Gedonim, I don't remember now who it was already, who said that when a person goes to a place where he's maybe... You know, it's not exactly in the Mokham Atoyah, it's not in the Mokham Abismed, just on the Mokham where everyone's learning all the time. How do you keep that Amunah? How do you keep it strong? Hashkachapratis. Right? So therefore, that's why I want to try to do this. And I really want the Oyam to join me in also working on this and recognizing how much the Rabbi Nishalonim runs their lives. I want to tell you, I got this email, and when I read it, I'm like, all right, no. Not earth chattering. But then I thought, no, forget, I'm going to read this one, because it's the smallest thing in the world. But somebody recognized that it was the Rabbi Nishalonim. And halavai in our own lives, when everything that happens to us happens, we would say, ooh, the Rabbi Yishraelim is doing this. Okay, here's a very small little thing. Thank you for the shurim. After listening to Ashkoch and Pratashe, I decided to share this small uh, email. I was just now in a store buying frozen fruit for an event. I had my hands full, and I was getting very, very too, you know, because I was holding this frozen fruit. It was getting too hold and too heavy. And even though I was in the end of the aisle, I turned to my friend who I was, you know, going to the store with, and I said, listen, I'm going to have to get a basket. I thought I managed that a basket, but do me a favor. Could you go to the front of the store, and could you get me a basket? 
as I saw that, I turned my head and I saw right on top of a pile of Coca-Cola, there was an empty basket over there. And I said, wow, Rabbi Shalom, thank you for somebody abandoning that basket and leaving it here for me. Again, it's the tiniest little thing. But it's something that somebody recognized in their lives that there's a Rabbi Nishalaylam. And Rabbi Nishalaylam orchestrated all the events that happened in their lives. And again, when we constantly start to see these things again and again, it will change the perspective of everything. Let me mention another email that came in as follows. Uh, this is anonymous. I come from a house that puts more emphasis on school than yeshiva. I went straight to work thinking that any extra yeshiva is just pushing off life. I got promotions, I made money, and I bought, a, I bought a dream car. Life was good. Two years later, still doing the same thing every day, over and over, never doing anything, uh, but always busy. I always had a close friend that introduced me to a whole new side of learning Torah. It felt so fresh and new. I was instantly obsessed. Every Shabbos, we would sit down and learn and reflect what this Sefer was saying to us every week having a longer and fuller learning experience. I had a different friend that suddenly passed away and made me think my time could just stop chas v'shalom, like it did for my friend. I was really refre- reflecting on my mission in this world and it made me think. I decided I should stop lying to myself. I should just go to yeshiva and maybe that will help me see life a bit more clearly. I sent out applications to a bunch of yeshivas, but this was just after corona happened and there was a rollover and all the yeshivas were full. One after the other, each yeshiva saying, there's no room, there's no room, there's no room. Every application came back after you know, that's what it was. It was getting frustrating. I started, I asked a close friend, a close Rebbe of mine, who's helped me through uh, many struggles in my life. Um, and I can't thank and appreciate Hashem for placing him in front of me for all those years. I asked him, maybe Hashem had a mission for me here. Maybe he doesn't want me to go to yeshiva. Maybe he wants me to learn a little bit. Maybe he wants to work back at home. I was looking for yeshiva that doesn't prioritize heavy Gemara, but a more Jewish thought than Ashkofa. I was worried I'd get burnt out and even more I'll get turned away before I even get there because the yeshiva was saying no anyway. Suddenly my Rebbe tells me about a Rebbe of yeshiva that was coming to my hometown and wants to speak to me. He told me the name. I looked it up and I saw a beautiful group of boys wearing white shirts. I was paranoid. I thought there's no way a kid that's been through as many schools and as little learning over the years that can come to yeshiva like this and actually fit in. But that was all I had in front of me thinking I should just bite the bullet and go for it. Maybe I'll actually make a few friends and learn a thing or two along the way. So some miracles, HaKadosh Baruch sent this Rebbe to pick me up and pick me out of the 12 boys who probably had a more bigger yeshiva life than me and were ready to take the next step. So I got the email of acceptance. I was so happy, but I was scared at the same time. I put my head down and I walked forward. Baruch Hashem, today I could say that the Rabboni Shalom picked me up, sat me in the base Medrash, a place that I've not been properly learning for many, many years. And now all I want to do is sit across from him with a beautiful Sefer between us, letting me learn more and more about him and his beautiful world, an opportunity for every breath and eye-opening moment to come closer and closer to him. And Mitzvah Hashem, every single year that I'm close to or not close to can listen and understand how the Rabbanishim can take the smallest weak being and bring his so high after falling so low. How beautiful that is to see the way the Rabbanishim orchestrates your life and does things to you. I thought that was absolutely amazing. Another Gavaldiga Meister Rabbi Listen to this. Uh, I want to thank you for the Shurim. I listen on to any time. They allow me to listen to the Shurim and organize the Shiva way even while being out in the world. Now, by the way, some of these emails are totally... Um, Uncensored, what if, that's what you call it, right? They're not being checked, they're not being filtered, right? It's unfiltered. Unfiltered emails, I have no idea what I'm reading over here. I just printed them out and here we go. Okay, so just by staying focused and seeing with my eyes open, I constantly see Hashem's guiding hands in every part of my life. I will just share one story that happened this week. I made an option this, this Monday. I didn't get to arrange it with the manal of the Chayda until Sunday morning. 
My early morning chavrusa was a Rebbe in the Cheda, and he gave me the Manal cell phone number and told me to call ASAP even before davening at 8 a.m. Leave a message, because the Manal doesn't answer his phone once he's in Cheda, which starts at 9 a.m. The minion where I daven ends a few minutes after 9 a.m. I was worried, what's going to be? I was thinking backwards and forwards, making the phone call before davening. I know that you're not meant to make phone calls before davening. But on the flip side, I said, if I don't make the call, I'm going to be in the dark until the end of the day. I don't know what's going to be on Monday morning when I have to be in Cheda with my son. It's not so easy. So I decided davening. I'm not going to make the call. I'm going to wait right until after davening. Understandably, obviously, during davening, I asked the that he should help me make the arrangements smoothly. I finished davening. I decided um, even to finish with my regular Rabbeinu Tam Tfilin and then make the phone call. I made the phone call after going out of the building in Shul and the Manal answered even before the first ring. Everything was arranged there and then right after davening. So many times we think we have cheshbonus, but we don't realize that everything is exactly the way it's meant to be. I want to share one more thing that happened also this Monday. I live in Lakewood and I had a Simcha in Borough Park on Monday night. As everyone knows, to find a parking spot in Borough Park, one needs Rachami Shemaim. However, I have a minute to say a capital to him when I get off the Varizano. Uh, which bridge is this? Varizano Bridge. Right before Borough Park. Yeah? That's where it is? Right before Borough Park. We're doing some fact-checking over here. And I asked Hashem to help me find one without wasting any time circling around looking for one. As I got half a block away from the sim call, somebody pulled out of his parking spot and I went straight in. This is something I've seen many times repeat itself over the years. Just a good idea for anybody that is in, is in Borough Park or looking for a parking spot. Say a capital to him. He says, he says, he says there are so many stories to write as every Yid can write a book of big things and small things of how he's clearly see the Yad Hashem in his life. And then he goes on to quote some of the psukin that we say um, from Nishmas that very, very much uh, identify this idea. Let's move on, Rabbi Sai. Okay, here we go. This one is from sunny England. Uh, thank you for sharing your Torah and Torah anytime. I enjoy the show. Here are a few stories. Holiday rescue. We were traveling from London to a holiday in the Welsh countryside in the summer on a Friday, but we set out very early. We also had a new style of roof bag that straps over the roof bars. Somebody helped me set up the bars. But I made the last few minute adjustments uh, and I had the key, the Allen key in my pocket. The journey started, we got towards Wales, the traffic started to build, the kids started to cry, the rain started to pour. Standard British holiday car trip traditions. After a delay, after a delay, started, the traffic started to move, and then we heard a thud. And in the rear view mirror, I could see the roof bag containing all our pots and pans on our suitcases hanging off the rear of the car. There was raining, lashing down, and we're in the middle of the motorway, in the middle of absolutely nowhere. I pulled over, started to examine the roof rack, but Chazdeh Hashem, all the contents of the bag was still there. I had my key in my hand, but I had absolutely no idea how to fix anything. Hashem, please help me. Just then, the traffic started to slow. I looked at the cars and wondered who on earth is going to stop in the middle of a Welsh countryside for a, a, you know, a Jew wearing a trademark white shirt and black pants. You know, just then, I see another minivan pulling over, a friendly face looking towards me. I said, that's Gavaldic. That's amazing. He managed to help it out. He helped me put it back on. He helped put everything on. I said to him, how did you get over here? So he's, he said to me, I was about to leave the motorway at the next junction. I was also running late, but my GPS sent him around in circles and the kids were going crazy and wondering what is going on with my ways. It's broken. It's not working. But he said, Ashkocha Protest led me to this exact road. I saw you. I stopped and I helped you out. And I said, that is, that is really, really incredible. And that is really amazing. Um, let's move on, Rabbi. So again, this is unfolded. I have no idea what this is. Um, I've got another story as well. The Sheva Bracha story that could have been. I don't know if we should read this one. Okay, we'll do it anyway. We'll, okay. 
show Tony time, have an edit. Now we can edit it, this one. My wife collects a leftover bread from a local bakery and takes it to our neighborhood where we distribute them. One night we had leftovers and I was waiting later at night than normal for someone who runs a freezer gemach to store the leftovers 20 yards up the road. I saw someone who I thought may appreciate some free rolls. I pulled up to his drive. As I mentioned, it was quite late and I, um, I stopped myself from knocking up, running over to him and knocking on the door. I made my way up and he was in his car for longer than normal, so I carried on. I reached him just as he opened the car door. He looked at me. He gave me a look. He couldn't believe his eyes. I have some spare rolls and the car is rebuilt. Maybe you'd like them. His surprise look continued as he composed himself and said, please come in. I had a bit of a shock to see you. Let me explain why. He had delayed getting into the car, out of his car, because he just got a call from his mother. His mother had an older single she worked with and she had an idea for him, an older singer who, a single who was my brother-in-law. The mother had just called him to see if he knew my number as she knew that he knew of who I was and we lived in the son's neighborhood and maybe he, she, he could get my number and talk about me and talk the idea over. Just as he put the phone down to his mother and opened the car door, I was standing there having just literally gone up to his drive and never been to his house before. That's why he looked at me in such a strange way. Unfortunately, the brother-in-law didn't agree to meet the girl, but the story that it could have been. Again, hashkocha protest of what happened over there. Let's move on, Rabbi Isai. Um Wow. I don't know. It's hard to know. Okay. Again, Rabbi said, the only one expecting like these crazy, unbelievable... I have some of those. I didn't read them last year. We read some interesting ones last year, if you remember. We're waiting for some good ones to come in. But I can't but to realize that the Rabbi Shab does everything alive. Let's just do a few more over here. Okay, let's pick this one. Unbelievable. My life is one Hashkacha Pratis story. That is beautiful. My life is one Hashkacha Pratis story. So I can write a whole Gemara. Okay, here we go. Rabbi Sai says it was 2.30 a.m. Motor Shabbos when I fell asleep. And I was driving at the time. I almost drove into a wall. If not for the cops, that pulled me over. He said that's what brought me to Yiddishkeit in a nutshell. Obviously avoiding a lot more of numerous details. More recently, Rabbi Sai, I was dra- I was that da- Rabbi Sai, let's go. I was davening Tashem to arrange me to avoid working in the job that I had. I hated my boss. I was getting burnt out. Another long story, but it was getting very unpleasant and short stuff. My wife had been struggling with the kids, needed help at home. She was expecting things were difficult. It wasn't easy. My federal job has strict rules and regulations, and they gave me sick time for four to six weeks and three months of paternity leave afterwards. Now I'm at home to help out my wife, spend quality time with my kids and learn more Torah. This is something that no other job would ever give. Of course, it's very sad that my wife had a hard time to deal with the kids and everything else, but I do dive in that she'll be winning. I hope I'll give a donation to... Okay, that will... We'll leave that one to a different thing. Um, but I'll upon him. Let's move on. Um, okay, next. This one's from Muncie. Um, I interviewed for a job that was mostly Yiddish-speaking people, and they thought it would be able to, I'd be able to work around the fact that I couldn't speak Yiddish too well, because I fit the position very well. I ended up that they said it wouldn't fit, but they would let me know in a few weeks if they didn't find anybody else, and I'll have the job, because I was suitable, but just didn't speak the language. In the meantime, I was looking elsewhere, but I found a job at a printing company. The company happens to print Divrei Torah for free for the community, so while I was interviewing, the CEO handed me one of these Torah wellsprings from the Heiliger Rabbeinach Biedemann. After my interview, I was told I could have the job, um, I, if I wanted it, but I should wait until next week to think about it and let them know. While I was outside waiting for my father to pick me up, I started doing cheshbonis of the two jobs and their salaries. One was more double than the other, but I didn't know for sure I'd get the original job, and I didn't want to start working and then get a call from the first job and then quit my second job a week later. So I asked the Rabbeinach, give me a sign that I should accept this offer and not wait 
wait and be thinking about the first job. Within a few minutes, I decided, while I was waiting for my father, learn Abyssal Torah, so he opens up this week's Torah World Springs, Mumish, the first page, had a section titled, Be Happy With Your Lot. I said instantly, wow, the Rabbanishon, thank you very much. The other job slipped out of my thoughts, and I took the second job. This wasn't the first time I asked for a sign from Hashem telling me which day to go, but it was the first time that the response was immediately, Hashem, I enjoy my current job, and everything else. That's Kavaldik. Oh, look what he says over here, by the way. P.S. Every time I listen to your shurim and start to space out, you always seem to call out one of your Talmidim, David, and ask him if he chaps or hear the question. So I take it you're meaning me if, I have a, if I'm paying attention at the time of the shir. His name is David. That's Kavaldi. Okay, Rabbi Sai. That's amazing. Ah, yeah, yeah, Rabbi Sai. Okay. And we're going to leave it over here for this week. Rabbi Sai, to remind you, please, share in with the experience. Look at your life and see how the Rabbi Nishalem runs every moment, every action of your life. Hashkacha Pratis is running the world, it's running everything that we do. We don't notice it, we don't see it. Our job is to recognize the Rabbi Nishalem in everything of our lives. Please send in your emails, raw at beistovid.com. Next week we'll read them out. Have a wonderful week.